Hello and welcome to episode number 243 of the Nerdbro Podcast. Not much to say in this intro except to say that that is Spanish Love Songs. The band Spanish Love Songs playing in the background and probably playing a little bit after this. Uh, only a short little intro because it's a very long episode. Uh, only coming in to say that uh, we might actually have a spate, a spate, whatever, a, I don't know what the word for it. We might have a couple of episodes like regularly coming out uh, in the next couple of months because there's a bunch of stuff that's coming out John Wick 4 and we still haven't done uh, Ant-Man or The Bad Batch or a bunch of other stuff that has come out. Uh, so yeah, there might actually be can some consistency where there is a episode going up this week and maybe an episode going up either next week or the following week and maybe even an episode the week after that we'll see what happens uh i don't know as far as the other stuff that uh i sometimes talk about as far as like the outdoor nature and all that part of the website and nerd pro quo all of that will probably not be going back into production until may we will see what happens in May. I know I've said this before, and then nothing happens. But, uh, yeah, that is it. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get into this episode. Episode number 243 of the Nerd Pro Podcast. Uh, also, yeah, as I always say, if you like this episode, let us know. NerdProQuo at gmail.com. At NerdProQuo on Twitter, because that's the only Twitter that I have left. Because my other Twitter, my personal Twitter account, was hacked by uh, a Chinese bot, I think. So, yeah. I uh, no longer have a person or Twitter account uh, at NerdProQuo on Twitter. If you like it, tell your friends to tell their friends. Uh, if I hear from anybody who isn't a person who I don't already know, who is <laughs> basically anyone who isn't actually a guest on this current episode uh, about whether you like it, I you know it'll encourage us to do them more often because we don't do them very often now because uh, we don't really know who's listening. I don't really know who's listening, so I haven't really been pushing. We just do this for funsies. In any event, episode number two hundred forty-three. Intro's already too long. Stay nerdy, y'all. And at some point, I'll probably just take the headphones off because they're too far away. Did the mic pick that I, up? I, I, probably. <laughs> and that's how we start. I, yeah, yeah. That is that is not the first time that we have started that way, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Good for you, um, Eve. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're a classy crew. Yeah, we're, we're definitely very classy. Uh, so, yeah, we are mostly, because there was some other stuff that I think Eve and the rest of us were going to talk about, but we're mostly here to talk about Last of Us. Uh, I only showed up to talk about last yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it is it is very rare that that pants can join us for a podcast. It is a special occasion. That's not true. Pants can. Pants just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. That, but that, this that. is definitely something she cares about. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so I don't even. Do we want to start with the last episode? Do we want to start? Do we want to cover the whole? Have you guys yeah. talked about the show at all this season? We have, yeah. Not a lot, but yeah. Very little. Okay. Uh, who wants to start? Because we're definitely going to, aside from Pants, I think you're just going to keep your mic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about your background. Yeah, yes, yes. Let's start there, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Why you love The Last of Us. You know, you're like traditionally a Xbox fangirl. Uh, who 
came into the pony side, uh, as Fu and I've seen on Twitter, and loves just mostly this game. You know, what drew you to this game and to this world? Well, truth be told, um, just one second. I just, I just want to, because uh, you can't see this. Be careful of where you at. Just place my pointing, Rich. Because if you point it and it's resting on someone's stomach, it definitely will pick up their oh. stuff. It is, it is that sensitive. I just noticed it's like you were just resting it, and it was just like where I you resting it. Stomach and I no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if there were noises, it is very likely to Michael pick it up. Okay. Okay. So. So to answer the question, um, you know, I mean, I got heavy into gaming probably six, seven years ago, something like that. Maybe a little more now. I don't really fully remember. Probably around when Fallout 4 came out is when I got really into gaming. Um, And the more I started getting into gaming and exploring different games and learning more about stuff, I started, you know, seeing a lot of stuff that that Sony and PlayStation were doing that seemed really interesting, but I had an Xbox and I had talked to an old friend of mine uh, who was a much more prolific gamer than I'll probably ever be. Um, and I kind of had asked his opinion about whether or not getting a PlayStation was worth it because I hadn't played the last of us or any of the other exclusives, but I was interested in them. Like they seem to have some really good story content games, you know? And he had basically said, listen, in terms of bang for your buck, I feel like Xbox, you kind of get more for your money. He's like, I feel like the multiplayer function, the things that are available through things like Game Pass and Ultimate and stuff. He's like, I feel like overall they do that better than Sony does. He's like, however, he's like, when you're talking about like quality over quantity, he's like, I think that Sony really does something special there. And he had basically suggested if you were able to find like a PS4, you know, maybe refurbished a couple hundred bucks or something like that. I'd say then go ahead. He's like, but other than that, you know, with the way that you play and the fact that you've been more getting into multiplayer and stuff, I don't know if it's worth it for you. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, then they happen to have a PS4 bundle for a brand new PS4 with a bunch of Sony exclusives. So the first Last of Us game, a couple of the Uncharted games and Horizon Zero Dawn. And I think maybe the first God of War for like 200 bucks. So I jumped on it. Yeah, yeah. So I jumped on it, and no, 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 no regrets. Let's just say that. I mean, no regrets. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was really good. So, yeah. So I got it, and you know, because and The Last of Us had actually been the one that I had been really eyeing. That was the one that I had been seeing around online, and had wanted to play and stuff. And the game had already been out a while at this point, because this was only maybe. I don't know, 2018, 2019 that I got this deal. I mean, the first game came out in like 2013. So it had already long been out, you know, which is how I even got on my radar in the first place. But I actually, like I said, most of my game friends are Xbox people. So some people play both. Most people are very true to Xbox. So And I'm the antisocial one who is not uh, online. Yeah, so, you know, so I hadn't really 
gotten as much exposure from friends it was more just like happenstance that i kind of started coming across it and it looked interesting and stuff so funny enough i mean i guess in essence i really kind of was inspired to buy the ps4 mostly by the last of us sight unseen in a lot of ways and definitely don't regret it because that game has easily shot to the top of my list of like favorite games ever um and then, you know, when they announced the, the second game, I was obviously really hyped about it and really excited and played it, loved it. I mean, I know that part two has had a lot of controversy and made a lot of people angry, but I went into it open-minded from the start and I loved it. I thought it was just as good, if not better than the first game. I think that they told the story that they really wanted to tell. They told it well. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with that in the show. I mean, that's one of the big things that uh, which which would make Craig Mazin's job so much easier. It's not like you're taking a Halo and trying to like extract a story for a TV show because not a hater of Halo, but there isn't much story into that game. But the storyline in the Last of Us one and two. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean it's. Uh, that's let's not talk about that piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but there is a, the reason why she loves it. We both love it, and a lot of people do. It's just like story is more important than anything else. Yes, they had great gameplay, yeah. but it's like you love the characters. You know, even the ancillary characters, and you feel the weight behind the actions that they make. You know, so like with me, I hate played part two. You know, I, I mean, I hated one character. I mean, she knows why. But then towards the end, the character I did love, I'm starting to hate her decisions. Like, why? Just stop. Stop. Don't make these decisions. So as a gamer, you felt really invested in these characters and what they did as opposed to just like blindly, like Mario, driving his car through a banana, and boom, that's it. You know, you, there was an emotional investment in these characters and in this world. Agreed. And I, and I will say, I thought one thing that was really interesting, this kind of ties into the show a little bit, and we can obviously go more in depth on this later. I saw this thing on TikTok just yesterday, I think it was. Um, this girl was kind of breaking down things about the game and, and the, the TV show, and she likened the story for part one to a Greek tragedy in a sense. And at first I didn't kind of really get what she meant, and then she actually explained it. And she was saying, like, you know, she was talking about, um, oh, God, now it's going to, now I'm going to forget which story it was. But, you know, obviously, the whole premise of the games and the show, and you see a lot more of this really come to light in part two, is a lot of this cycle of revenge and the lengths that people go to. And, you know, in the game kind of like the voice of reason, the person who's sort of like the, you know, the town crier who could kind of see everything that's going wrong but isn't being heard is the player, you know, because you're the one who, especially when you transition into part two, you can see how the the events of part one have set the stage for part two, how it puts everybody down this really dark path, and you can see everything that's going wrong. And, you, and you're really trying to want to be like, please, like, don't fucking do this. This is not the way. 
you know, sorry, sorry. A little little Pedro remix there. <laughs> this is not the way. Um, yeah, you're going to hear all about my Pedro Pascal fangirl obsession right now, but that's cool. Oh, no, no, no. This, we'll get to This that. is very much one of the reasons why you are here. Oh, yeah, obviously. You know, um, but... Even as you play through the games, and you, you see it, you see some of the buildup for it in part one, but you really kind of get to like learn the lessons in part two, and you, you're in a position where you can see you can see the train barreling down the tracks, and you're trying to yell at everybody to get the hell off and jump, move, you know, but they can't hear you, and you actually. The worst part is you have to play them through that, even knowing how it's going to come back and bite you. I mean, it's honestly just. In my opinion, it really is masterful storytelling, you know? And I think that that's one thing that Naughty Dog beats a lot of people out on. You know, the gameplay is obviously good, but the story is just second to none. I mean, I've played some games with some really good stories, but I don't know that I've played any games with a story like The Last of Us stories. And especially for the fact that people are still fighting about this a decade later. It's, it's really divisive. And what's great is that Naughty Dog had practice with the Uncharted games. You know, having that pulp series with great characters. I mean, it wasn't as serious as The Last of Us, but it's fun. It reminds me of like Romancing the Stones, you know, that mm. film and how mm -hmm. the characters intertwine and vibed off of each other. So that storyline with that series kind of helped, you know, mold them to, to create like amazing storytelling for this two series. And just, we will only very, very briefly mention this and then we will forget it ever existed. There was also an adaptation of the Uncharted games. It was a movie. It was terrible. That is all we're going to say about that. <laughs> I mean, listen, one, th one thing I will say is, you know, overall, I think that they really, really had a great first season for this show. And I think part of that is a tribute to the fact that Craig Mazin is a gamer and he's a huge fan of the, oh, of the IP. He is. That. He's played the games. He loves the games. That's how they got on his radar in the first place. And he basically... So HBO kind of has this, like, I think, I don't know if it's like a formal rule or not, but they have this thing where if you have a show and it's a success, like a real success, you basically get carte blanche to do whatever you want for the next project. That's how this started, because he had such success with Chernobyl that they basically were like, yo, whatever you want to do, you're up, you know? And, excuse me, rude, whoever was outside with that horn, um... <laughs> You know, and he basically was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I think that the fact that he was already such a fan of the franchise and really understood it, I think certainly helped. But also the fact that they had Neil Druckmann himself involved with the show, I think is super important. I, I, I was just going to jump off of that and say that, like, so the fact that, so that can often go one of two ways. Because as Eve and I have discussed ad nauseum, there are people who can be big fans of something. Zack Snyder, yes. Uh, or, or uh, I'm forgetting, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but, uh, Stephen Norrington, oh. the guy who directed the first Blade film and also directed the Daredevil movie. Huge fan of both of those. Huge fan of one of my favorite runs on Daredevil made a terrible Daredevil movie. It's not necessarily a recipe for something good. Yo, good Blade movie, but, but, you know, but I think it helped 
especially when you watch like the post episode like little things at the end of every episode and you see like how not only like closely that the creator and also Neil Druckmann were working together they were collaborating but also sure. Neil Druckmann's like willingness to be like is there something we can do I, I think it was episode 3 was the big one that jumped out to me was just like is there something we can do on the show that we couldn't and actually they, I, they did that more than once where it's just like is there something we can do with the show that, that we, we didn't do in the game we didn't get to do it in well, the game yeah, no, for I was whatever reason say, yeah I mean that's part of what I was going to say is that I think I mean but I still think that the core of what is important about making it good is really caring about the source material and really appreciating it in the first place, but also being able to recognize that there are things that work for games that don't work for TV TV and vice versa and being willing to be flexible and open about some of that stuff. You know, I mean the original, so the original series was supposed to be 10 episodes. I know a lot of people were confused about why it was only nine they, the first episode was supposed to be split into two. And I think originally they were going to end the first episode with Sarah's death. And, you know, and then the HBO executives actually stepped in and they were like, guys, you really think people are going to want to keep watching this show yeah, if you end, end the first episode, that like killing good. some poor, like, teenage girl, you know what I mean? That you've just spent, like, in, you know, the past, like, 45 minutes, like, getting to know and like. And they were like, all right, bet, you know, fair enough. Like,. <laughs> That's you know, point. but 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 it is. I mean, it's important to know that. Like, that's one thing that when I like. Executive and, notes actually work. Well, see, but you <laughs> know what's you know what's funny though. I mean, I think this is why I would argue that of all like these like you know companies, I think HBO really does it best when it comes to their original programming. Mm-hmm. That is they true. beat Showtime. They beat, you know, Netflix gives them a good run for their money. Netflix has a lot of good OG stuff. But, but it's a lot of... This is, but this is too- why HBO has this history for 20 plus years of producing nothing but great original content, you know? Because, one, they all really do care about it. Two, they put a lot of trust into each other with the feedback. And, like, the executives are involved, but not in... Way. A way where they're like trying to like really squash what you're trying to do. They know how to make cinematic television. Yes, they very much yeah. do. You know, and if you really look at their, you know, at some of just some of their stuff, I mean, like, they've created arguably some of the best shows that we've ever seen on TV. The Sopranos. I mean, I you say, know what ar- I mean? Arguably, like, they have created. I guess just arguably, when you think of like the best like cable TV shows that have ever been on television, like in the top five are almost all HBO shows. It's Sopranos, the wire game of Thrones, the wire. Yeah. (laughs) Game of Thrones. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. That was really sad. Well, I, I'll have some commentary about that off my, even, 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 even like some of the, like even some of the, uh, God, fucking six feet under. Like, uh, I mean, I can even think of stuff that, like, maybe not a lot of people watch, but it was great still. Treme was great. Like, like they have a, they have a standard that I mean, they have to truth keep. truth be told, I have to admit, you know, even hearing that they were going to do a Last of Us show, you know, especially when you're such a fan of something, you know, I think that, 
it's a double-edged sword because you're so excited to see a story that you love being brought to a new format, but at the same time, there is always that fear of, oh my god, are they going to do this justice? <coughs> but truth be told... Preacher on AMC. Okay. But <laughs> honestly, I have to say, I really, truly never had reservations about this because it was HBO, because yeah. it was Craig Mazin. Like, you know, even with the casting, like, I know, like, of course, people were still and are still, which is stupid because this it's we've already had a season. It's over at this point. Like, get over it. But, like, people had lots of arguments about, like, who should be cast for these different players and stuff like that, you know. And there were some there were some castings that I wasn't necessarily immediately sold on or whatever, but I was always open-minded about. And truth be told, I think that their casting was phenomenal. I really do, you know? Like, a lot of people did and still are, you know, questioning whether Bella Ramsey should have been cast. I'm like, are you kidding? Like She was amazing. Listen, yeah. I didn't even watch Game of Thrones, but I've seen enough clips of her as, like, Leanna Mormont that I was like, are you kidding? This is, like, the only kid who should have ever been considered for Ellie. Like, And what's important is that for the cast to have great chemistry and yes. the fact that those two legitimately love each other yes. off screen... It's just great. And you see that on screen as well. So the fact that their chemistry was able to carry on to their performances, that makes it worse. So I don't care about if there could be someone better. No two dynamic, new two partnerships could ever be as great and as seamless as those two. So just uh, because I know to a certain extent why people are salty initially, because it's always, it's almost always the same issue. Uh, what I always point to for those people is watch any Japanese-made live-action adaptation of an anime. It's With so many of them, what they do is they, they match the aesthetics almost identically. Yeah. Like, really close. And my favorite example of it is one of my favorite anime is an anime called Full Metal Alchemist. The Japanese... There's a Japanese live-action version of that anime. Uh, we will leave aside all of the American adaptations of anime because they are wildly uneven, mostly super crappy. <laughs> uh, but what I, I point to is that is like they masked the aesthetics almost exactly and missed almost everything that made that anime com compelling, like story-wise and emotional-wise. And it's just like, yeah, if you get too attached to the aesthetics of it, you you gotta ca I think you you cast for character. Yes. And what people who you know a certain level in it, the comic book video game players and are the same. A certain meant to like comic book readers is like you start to focus too much on the aesthetics and you miss this. Yeah. Is like who might be the best actor character wise, just well, actor wise know, to play that character. Well, you know, it's really funny because I will say I feel like for the most part when it came to most of the casting, I was either excited or at least open minded. Randomly enough, the only actor that I was the only role that I was kind of a little confused when they cast it and I didn't really know how I felt was Tommy, which is Gabriel Luna. And, I mean, one, I hadn't really... I don't think I've ever really seen him in anything, so I didn't have any frame of reference for his acting or his persona, you know. But I did have a very set idea of Tommy in mind. Not even visually. It wasn't even about aesthetics. It was just, like, like an essence thing. Mm. And, you know... I just couldn't necessarily envision him in that role because, I mean, if you, if you ever look at, like, Gabriel Luna's, like, social media, 
I, I, I wasn't picking up on anything to me that, like, I could, like, get it. You know what I mean? But I was still like, look, I trust that these people know what they're doing. I'm not like, oh, my God, this guy is, you know, I wasn't, like, against it. I was just kind of like, like, Bella Ramsey, I got it immediately. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, I didn't get it immediately, but I was open-minded about it, and I'm very glad they cast him because, <laughs> hey, fangirl here. <laughs> um, you know. But that, but Gabriel Luna was the only one that I remember kind of being like, huh, okay. Is but he, I will say. Is he related to Diego Luna? I don't know. We I have, have no internet idea. devices. Let's find yeah, out. Yeah, go look. Um, but I will say, episode one, the minute Tommy walked in that kitchen and opened his mouth, I was like, that's fucking Tommy. Yeah, that's the that's voice. That's him. That's the voice. Instant. I, like, he got me. You know, I mean, voice. he really. That drawl. <laughs> that drawl really got me. It's like, so, he, if I close my eyes. I would assume that this is the same Tommy from the game. Yeah, like, I mean, I really like, Just just as a sidebar, you're going to hear some beeping in the background because what people don't realize on this block, because we're right by, uh, Bats happens to be sitting right by the living room window. Yes. So what happens is people double park on this block all the time, and they also don't understand that it's a bus route. So they'll double park. Fight out this window. Yeah, and people just don't. They'll just block and don't realize that people with these giant SUVs can't buy get by them. And if you have one of those giant SUVs, the bus can't get by. So so yeah, traffic will just get backed up because people just just forget that it's a fucking bus bus route and like everyone needs to get by and they can't pull around you. So yes, periodically. Of course, they're all trying to move at the same time, which is not much better. Yep. Yeah, which is why you're gonna, ah, you're gonna, sound. yeah, you're gonna hear. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they've been there before, but like, yeah, the mic will probably pick up some, some car people. Well, it is so, what it is. Jamie, I mean, Rich and Charlie. Uh, I know Charlie, you're not into <laughs> scary things. You know, what did you guys think about this first season? I understood that there would be scary things. I was not prepared for the emotional roller coaster that was this show. And I'm happy for um, that. That's the whole point of I, this. I had a three strikes and I put in a timeout because uh, there were three separate incidents where I was like, you, d- you done too much. I, uh, Bill and Frank upset me. Then that upset you? It upset, it made me, it made me so sad and upset and they'd finally figured out how to make strawberries and 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 and, and then like and, and and then they had to go like commit suicide together and and oh, then and then you have like cried the whole the whole like hour and change and then you have uh, who are the brothers again the Tom sam oh sam and henry yeah. oh, sam God. and henry that killed me. so you you have you have that happen then then you had like you know half a louisville slugger stab up zaddy and i was just like that's it i'm, I'm i <laughs> I I'm done. This sh- this show is upsetting. Um, it, it does not come with a warning, which I think it should. We warned you. <laughs> it's sad as fuck. You know. No, it was it was tougher than I thought it was gonna be. It was way tougher. We when we played part two, we spoke about how that fucking game made us cry. What did you think? It's not Halo. Oh or yeah, Call oh of yeah. You're pew, only pew, you're pew. only gonna cry more in the next couple of seasons. <laughs> 
No. No, I thought it was it was just a masterpiece of of storytelling, of acting, of um, and finally, finally, because I, I was also equally nervous. I mean, I knew nothing. I I I knew of the game, but I I um I had not played it. But the fact that when I learned that they were making an, a live action adaptation of this, and knowing the the non-stellar track record of video game to live action adaptations, I was nervous that they were going to mess this one up as well. So when it was when it finally aired and we all we saw the first episode together, I I was I was pleasantly surprised and I was very impressed with the the, the scale mm -hmm. of the production value of this type of show and was excited um that of what was ahead and now it, it's it's very consistent in what you're getting from from the first episode to the end of the of the first season and um i enjoyed the progression of the characters of how pedrica pascal's uh, J uh joel's character you know you he's he's very quiet and subdued at first and you know he he tells ellie that she's cargo and and doesn't talk much in the beginning and then the roles are reversed at the end right so it's joel that's that's doing doing all the talking and he you know he wants he's enjoying her company and and ellie's the one that's being quiet because she knows it's the end of their journey and what lies ahead so i appreciated those uh, just in all of the details like it's it, there's some in in some instances even the level of detail is similar to film like yeah classic film like in like um Frank and Bill's episode and <clears throat> how the, you know, upon additional viewings, you pick up on little details. Um, like the house is dark at first, you know, and he's, um, Bill is in a, you know, he's, he lives alone and he's, um, he keeps to himself, and then he meets Frank, and that relationship evolves. And then he finally comes, he feels free to be who he wants to be with this person. And then at the end of the episode, you see the window, and it's bright. It's like the, the symbolism and the detail in something like this, it's it's pretty amazing. So one of the things that I will say is like I was same thing. I was I was excited, even having not played the game, but just because I know I know you, I know Eve, I know gamers, I yeah. know people who write for gaming stuff as for a living. So all of them were raving about the last one. So I'm a, and I'm always a little nervous when. I was like, okay, it's a TV show, so they have some room. It's HBO, so I'm excited. Uh first episode, I was like, this is really good. I will say, I mean, we keep coming back to it, but like the turnaround for me was just like, oh, they're doing, they're not just doing a video game adaptation. They're doing something. 
they're they're doing us something mm-hmm. for lack of a better way of it was that third episode it was like but also just like some of the like those shots man like cinematography wise yeah. like filmmaking filmmaking wise yes. it's a tv show but it's yeah. it's the, the level of quality is on it's yeah you don't see that in most tv you yeah, just well, because they, you know, it's HBO I mean, and they can pump so much money on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the set designer has got to get some kind of Emmy because, I mean, there just was really a whole lot of detail. And, you know, I, I'm i not a gamer. I'm not somebody who was super familiar with the game except for, like, the, the, the few things that you guys had kind of said. And I guess because, you know, I'm I'm not coming from a gaming experience, I was like, I just don't know how to... I don't know how to receive what you guys were sharing. I don't know how to ground that in anything. But it was it was just really it it was a movie just told over you know installments over so many weeks and you know I I just appreciated it for that and and I also appreciated that for you know people who are fans of the game that they really saw something they love treated with love and the fact that so many of the scenes lines of dialogue lifted from the game like Mm -hmm. towards the end aside from the very beginning with ellie's mom um everything's like lifted from the game meaning that hey you know it's no it's not the best gameplay out there but the storyline the cut pieces the cut scenes they're perfect and they didn't even have to make any changes at all they just like lifted those dialogue because it worked already in the game so why fuck that up you know just just translate that into the uh, tv show and it's perfect I will say it's funny that you referenced that shot out the window at the end of the third episode that's actually a callback to the games because that's something that even the low when you first play the first game, the when you log into the game, uh, the start menu, mm-hmm. it's a, it's like a shot of the window, wow. yeah. with like lo- with like beautiful lighting and like almost like little like sparkles or fireflies or something in the air or whatever. And the yeah. end the end of the part two ends like that, with well, the window open. Um, so that I just they they knew the symbolism be, behind the games. They wanted to uh, translate that as much as possible to the screen. And, and it's kind of funny that you sort of liken it to like feeling like a movie with a lot of the cinematography. Because origin, funny enough, originally before the whole TV show thing became an option, there was talk about turning it into a movie, but the deal had fallen through, and they also realized pretty quickly that the story there's just too much there to ever have a movie do it justice like you can't you know you couldn't have made a movie out of this yeah i feel that tv is just a better medium agree movies are just too short i mean if it's a small story yeah but if it's like something that is long and drawn out do these characters and do the story justice take your time with it you know don't rush through things for the sake of putting it on the big screen tv nowadays are just as important and just as viable as in terms of medium and storytelling than you know compared to tv uh compared to movies and i feel that tv is more engrossing than movies in my opinion yeah agreed you know i mean i've always been much more of a TV person than a movie person. I mean, I think there are some phenomenal movies, obviously, but I don't know that movies have ever really captivated my attention the way TV shows do. Yeah. And yeah. some stories, you know, if you try to... 
I mean, I think this is also why kind of in a way, you know, you have like the Stephen King curse. Stephen King writes some great books, but sure. most of yeah. the adaptations and he was just one of the don't, people I was going to bring up. Yeah. Most of the adaptations can't really shake out because especially some, listen, I love Stephen King because the man writes the way I talk. Like he can't, <laughs> he can't stumble to the point in less than like, you know, a thousand pages. <laughs> yeah. And I love the man for it. That's why he's like one of my favorites, you know, because God knows I could tell a story with 17 also, detours. Also, also apparently like phenomenal just person to just be around sure you know i mean which i'm if you look at the man's twitter i'm not surprised at all but like <laughs> you know but that's the point his stories are so long how do you pick and choose what to cut out of there to try to adapt it into a two or three hour movie it's just impossible you know i also so coming back to like collaboration what this weirdly from a comic book perspective perspective remind me of like uh the adaptation of netflix of the sandman and there's a similar thing and even so much that like it's a you could so there was you know they were going to do a sandman movie forever and it kept falling through because they couldn't either neil gaiman wouldn't sign off on it or like they just couldn't fit it into a movie a single movie and netflix came in and what happened was beautiful was like even down to like the casting like neil gaiman was very heavily involved and also because neil gaiman has worked in comic books but he's also he's written novels he's worked he's written screenplays for television it was one of those things where he he could come in and be like the same way neil Druckmann was was like is there stuff that we can so like neil so sandman was written in the 90s and they're adapting it for like 2020 Mm -hmm. and he was just like are the things that I wrote in 1990, whatever, that I can come back to and be like, hey, some stuff has happened from now until then. You know, progressively, can we do different things with the casting? To update this a bit. Yeah, yeah. And not even like for the sake of being progressive. It's just like some of that stuff from the original series is like some of that stuff is just like gender roles in some of the stuff in the, is, is a little bit... I wouldn't go so far as to say it's problematic, but it's definitely like he even said it was like indicative of its time. He was just like, I wrote the comic book in the nineties. Now that I'm, I have the opportunity with the television show to be like, Hey, let's rework this. I can rework this and I can, what other way it's like, I created this. What other ways that I'm not, he's not George Lucas either. It's like, what are, what are some ways I can do this better? Or mm-hmm. what are stories that I didn't, I didn't get to tell a certain way in the comic books that I can do in a television show. And it was like, you could just see it. It's why, it's why the Netflix, the Sandman series is so great. And it's why the last of us is, I think has turned out so great is because it's someone who just, again, like I said, for me, it's like that third episode. It's just like, what's a story that we didn't get to do in the game for like moment. Cause it's a video game. It's like, we didn't get to tell that story. Hey, we can tell that story yeah. now. Here's an opportunity. Like it's, and it's the creator. It's not just, it's not a producer. It's the creator of the game and someone who's a big fan of the game saying here's a story we can tell mm-hmm. that we didn't get to tell well, and we can do that now let's yeah. do it if we have the we have the opportunity to do that let's do that and i was like that's fantastic yeah. like, and it is interesting because you know i mean when it comes to the show versus the game they very much left the vast majority of things as they were you know the the two biggest things that they strayed from were 
Bill and Frank's origin story, um, and Kansas City. Kansas City yeah. is not Kansas City in the game. It's Pittsburgh. Sure. And but does the story remain the same? No. Mm. No. So in the game, it's not Kansas City. It's Pittsburgh. Henry and Sam actually had nothing to do with the Pittsburgh group. Um, in the game, they're kind of portrayed more as raiders, just sort of like generic NPC type raiders and not really so much as these like people who were recently liberated. There's no real backstory for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry and Sam in the game were actually part of a group that had left the Hartford QZ and had been on the road and had wound up in Pittsburgh and gotten separated from their group and were basically just trying to find their way the fuck out of that town because there wasn't nothing good happening there. And they just happened upon Joel and Ellie. Um, And then they basically, since they all kind of shared a common goal of get the fuck out of here, they had agreed to team up in the game. That's in essence what had happened. And then um, they did. They teamed up long enough to basically get out of the zone. And then they were going towards what was supposed to be a rendezvous point for Henry and Sam with the rest of their group. Um, And then Sam does wind up getting bitten and he turns and stuff like that. But also in the game... There was no interaction between Sam or Ellie where he told her he'd been bitten. She had no idea. She didn't find out until the next morning when he attacked her. Like, that part was all the same. Um, You know, I think that they, obviously, that was so, like, the whole thing with the Kansas City and all the events of that, that was probably, like, they took some of the stuff from Pittsburgh and made it similar. Like, the whole thing with the the part in the little town with with, uh, Joel sniping out the window and all that stuff, that was part of the game. Um, but again, not with this whole dynamic with this group confrontation and stuff like that. And, there, and was the, no, the, there was the middle no school, the middle school, middle school teacher gone crazy. Kind yeah, of there thing. was no, there was no Kathleen. That was there actually, that was actually like one of the more I re, I remember like reading online. That was more as far as like the gamers were concerned, a more controversial episode. But I, I do people understand considered it more controversial because I think that a lot of people didn't really understand Melanie Linsky's casting. Yeah. That's why they seem to find it controversial. They were just kind of like, this woman just seems like she's a terrible leader and everybody and the people who get it were kind of like, yeah, bro, that's the fucking point. Yeah. She's not supposed to be a good leader. You know what I mean? She's another person who is having this reaction to these events in her life. You know what I mean? And again, like, these stories are really ultimately, and Craig Mazin has said it, Neil Druckmann has said it, but it's the truth. These stories are really, at their core, all about love. And the things that people will do, and the links that they will go to, good or bad, for the people that they love. And Kathleen is a perfect example of this. Kathleen was just out there minding her fucking business, living in this shitty Kansas City QZ, being treated terribly, you know, wanting a change and stuff like that. But unlike, you know, but like the rest of these people, they kind of felt powerless. And it wasn't until her brother was killed that it spurned something in her, that that anger was so overwhelming that it pushed her to basically propel this revolution. That's basically, it, basically become a dictator. Yes. Also, also, but of course, so, you know, so she was successful enough to, 
get the people rallied behind her and actually get this revolution to happen and to overthrow Fedra. But she wasn't meant to. What was she? But she wasn't meant to be a leader. So after she that, no of course, that. no, there was no plan. Yeah, it. there was no plan. You know what I mean? And she's so focused because even still, that still wasn't enough because it it wasn't even so much about that. But now she's on this quest for revenge, and she wants this revenge against Henry because Henry was the one who got her brother killed. He handed him over to Fedra basically on a silver platter and said, "Here's your boy." You know, and she wanted him dead. And she wasn't going to be happy until she got him there. Granted, it wasn't by her own hand, but, you know. And, and again, like, they made, when you talk about, like, details, this is, like, some things of, like, making the kid deaf. Was just like, yeah, we're going to do that. And, and, and the fact that Neil, Dr- Neil Druckmann's re- reaction was just like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. Why I, didn't I think of I that? I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but also, that... It might not have been the first example of it, but one of the things overall as a person who hasn't played the games, but but I just, I love the fact that they made an effort to put the main voice actors from the game in the show. Yes. So starting in that episode, you got the voice actor for Tommy yes. in it. Uh, and then later episode, you get you got Troy. He looks like a he yeah, yeah. He, he that's the funny thing. This is like, yeah. Uh you got Troy in that in that later episode and then and then oh my god, in that last episode you got Ashley. And I was I just know. like and was a, by the way, those two, I mean, I don't know necessarily as well the guy who plays Tommy, but like Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, I'm just a huge fan of both of them yeah. as voice actors. So just seeing them on screen was like ah! Look, it's them. Look, it's them. Listen, and we can't forget Merle Dandridge. Yes. The OG yes, Marlene, yes. who got to, the yes, only person the who episode. replaced her original role. That's, she, she was, I forgot she about was her. game yeah. and TV Marlene. And that's good about the production team looking out after the, the cast. Yeah. You yeah. know, making sure they have, like, TV credits, you know, to do. And plus, they did it well. You know, they know the source material. Reward them, you know, plus, for that. Plus, also, I mean, I think that, you know... I think that it was important to them to have them involved in some regard. I think that they really did want to have them as a part of the process in some way because, you know, I mean, look, Troy, Ashley, Jeffrey Pierce, that's who played Tommy. Yeah. You know, Merle Dandridge. I mean, they helped make the game what it was, you know, and who better to kind of like, you know, have just make these little cameos, you know, it's just like a nice little, like a wink and a nudge, you know? And not just a cam- like in that final episode, like I, I mean, again, as someone who hasn't played the game, but just as like the narrative synchronicity of just like cashing, casting Ashley as Ellie's, Ellie's mom. I know. She I was just like, that's, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my God, she's playing Ellie's mom. I was like, that's fucking amazing. She brought that's Ellie beautiful. to life twice. That's beautiful. That's she beautiful. brought her to life twice. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it was like, you know, as somebody who watches cartoons all the time and like uh, Troy Baker most recently has been in the Dota adaptation. Uh, Ashley plays a character on, uh, oh God, what is that show on Amazon? That's actually super entertaining based on, oh God, it'll come to me. (laughs) Talk, (laughs) it'll come to me in a second. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just like, I think that there's just, there's just so many layers of, I think what makes the game good. So many layers of what I think makes the show good. 
you know, I don't. Vox Machina. Sorry. (laughs) There it is. You know, I, I just, I, I personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to come for season two and what three and hopefully I beyond. like about this show is because the conversations that Pants and I have about, like, the game's decisions is now being felt by everyone else who's not a gamer. So now oh, yeah. they're getting on to this conversation about, like, was it the right thing to do? Yes, or so like Oh yeah, if you let, if you go on Reddit, they're having the same argument that they I were know. having ten years ago. I know. And, <laughs> and, and, this is perfect. and nobody can make up their minds. You know what I mean? I mean there there is a right decision. Well you know what I will I will right say cool. I will thing. say the vast consensus I think of people don't necessarily think that what Joel did was right, but they know why he did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have I have a very I, different my personal opinion, opinion from a lot of people. Here, here, here's my personal opinion. If I'd been Joel, I probably would have done the same thing. I I think there there are a lot of people who I think almost kind of shit on Marlene a little too much, in my opinion, because while I don't think what she did was right, I also can still understand the logic. You know, and I think that one thing that I had seen that I hadn't even really thought of, but that makes a good point, you know, like people are just kind of like, wow, like she was so quick to just sacrifice Ellie and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think that it was an easy decision for her, but I think as somebody who has been with the Fireflies and a prominent role in the Fireflies for as long as she has at this point, you know, I think that there's a certain level of indoctrination that comes into play you know and i also think that you know of course on one hand people look at it as like this is like your best friend's daughter how is it so easy for you to sacrifice her but Mm. this this fungus is what took her best friend from her you know so not that so i don't think it's an easy decision for her to want to sacrifice ellie for the greater good as she believes it exists but i i almost think that in, in a weird way maybe for her you know, being able to, I mean, look, the fireflies, whether they, you could argue about the logistics about whether a cure is actually feasible or not. That's that's... not, that's not what this argument is. The fireflies believe it's feasible. So for devil's advocate purposes, it's feasible as far as this point I'm making, you know what I mean? I think that between the fireflies entire mission over all these years and the indoctrination and the fact that they, whether they can or not, they believe that they can do this. You know, I think that in a lot of ways, it kind of like maybe writes some wrongs and rectifies some things for them if they, if they are able to do this, you know, and Joel obviously cannot deal with the idea of losing another daughter figure. He can't do it, you know, and I think that, you know, obviously, of course, that's, I mean, his primary focus, obviously. My only sticking point, regardless of anything else, is the fact that no matter how you cut or slice it, Ellie's choice and Ellie's agency is taken from her. And I under, and I still, I still also agree with the fact that a lot of people are like, but how do you expect somebody in that position to be able to make a choice? And I agree with that as well, because one, she's young. She's a child. Not Two, young. She she's a child. She doesn't understand all the, the real implications of what that means. 
And she's also just went through a lot of trauma to get yeah. to where she is. So how, how can you expect her to make that choice? But at the same time, and this is the only reason I make the choice point, they don't focus as much on the choice stuff like in the game, in a way. But in the show, think about a few episodes prior, you know... Joel is crying to Tommy how he thinks that he's going to get this girl killed and he's basically begging Tommy to take her because, one, he knows he's getting attached to her and I think he's really trying to keep that barrier in place. But also, he really thinks that he's going to wind up getting this girl killed. He doesn't think that he can complete this mission. And he doesn't want to do that, you know what I mean? But ultimately, he realizes that this is her life and she deserves to have a say in what happens and in this journey. And then he gives her that choice to basically say, look, I think you'd be better off with Tommy. I trust him to do this, but I think you deserve a choice. And she's basically like, fuck you, bro. Let's go get on the goddamn horse. You know what I mean? But she's conscious. Agreed. Fireflies. She was unconscious. She could not make a choice. So well, see in the game, she was unconscious in the in the show. She wasn't, we just don't see it. But she wasn't unconscious in the show. But they don't... They just don't tell her. Which I don't think is right. So they fuck up on that. Joel's only fuck up was for lying. You don't lie. I mean, that's the whole thing. You're, I, I mean, mean, I mean, listen, I understand it. I, I, no, I fully understand. And I agree with him saving her. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I think there is a certain level of agency and choice that whether you agree or not, yes, she's young... But think about it from her perspective. You know what I mean? She still feels, and like obviously I don't want to give too much spoilers, but you know, when you get to the second game, the fact that he stole that choice from her is a very key point I'm, in their relationship. I know. But the thing is, it's the world is shitty. Yes. A child should not have to make a decision like that. You don't have to she operate have her. To hey, done... keep her with the fireflies, but give her some time, give her some years, and have her understand the consequences of a decision like this as an adult, not as a 14 year old child, you know, know, agency. I mean, yeah, she's been on her own for a long time, but dealing with kids, her age, despite how adamant they are, that they are adults that they can make great decisions. They can't. I I don't disagree with that. But what I'm saying is, there's a lot of things in this world that she shouldn't have had to do yes. and shouldn't have had to experience. So but fact of the matter is, <laughs> she did. You know what I mean? She did live in this world. She did have to make a lot of choices, you know. And and sometimes it's not... Sometimes there were things she chose to do. Sometimes there were things she had to do in order to survive. You know what I mean? But I think that, while I don't disagree with that point... I think there is a certain level of when you live in this kind of a world and you're forced into the kind of decisions that you have to make or forced into the type of actions you have to take, you don't necessarily always then get to pick and choose what doesn't, doesn't work. Does that make sense? Like, it's easy to say that like, you know, she's too young to be able to make these decisions. And I don't disagree with that. That's what, that's what I'm trying to make clear. I don't disagree with the fact that she's young. She doesn't understand all the implications. I mean, this is literal life or death. And that, I mean, you know, nobody should have to make those decisions. However, this is the world that they live but in. But it's one thing to sacrifice, to survive, make decisions to survive and, you know, stay alive. But it's another just to give your life up 
for a pipe dream, you know, the, and you this know, is the, a the pipe problem, dream. The, the problem, too, though, is she, this entire journey has been based on her putting her her value, in a sense, in her immunity. And... I mean, I think she's obviously so much more than just her immunity. She's this person. She's, you know, a daughter figure, a friend figure. Like, I think that she is a person who has a lot more to offer than just being, you know, I mean, not maybe not a lot more to offer because, I mean, how do you, how are you more than the cure for humanity? I don't know. But you know what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, like, I don't think that her only value in this world should have to be on what she's able to do for other people. But at the same time, that's what she has made herself believe, you know? And and I think that there is a lot of, like, survivor's guilt and things that come into play. And I'm not saying that those things don't negatively impact her, you know? Like, but the thing is, they do impact her. And I think that, not like she should have just been like, yes, please fucking kill me to, to cure humanity, but... I don't think it was necessarily right on anybody's part to decide. Like, I don't think it was right on the Firefly's part to, you know, deceptively decide to do the surgery and kill her without any sort of, you know, discussion. I don't necessarily think it was right for Joel to just be like, you know, fact of the matter is he loves Ellie, but he didn't see, point, he didn't yeah. see, he loves Ellie very much. He, he very much cares about her is protective of her, but he didn't really save her for her. He saved her for him, and I get it. So, but that's also part of, like, I think what you have to kind of take into consideration. But he's that, like a dog. It's like, he's one side. I mean, he had no choice. In his mind, in his he had mind, no of choice. Of course not. He wasn't taking away his, her choice. It's the fact that she's unconscious. She doesn't know what they're going to do. Dadmo kicks in, and there's no fucking way he's gonna fail. So he has no choice but to act. Um, but I don't know if it's him taking ages. I mean, after the fact, yeah, he kind of did. But at the well, moment, because, because well, also, you know, he has no time to react. Well, no, here's, of course. But he, then also, he, like, here, here, I'm gonna let let's let Charlie yeah. speak. <laughs> and then, and then, like, God, I have so much. Yeah. Did I want to say something? Not a lot, actually. I have very simple things to say about it. But There are kids who are just living in today's society, and they don't get to be children. And they just have to make these incredibly ridiculous decisions that are far beyond their years. And they might have the child brain, but they have to make real adult decisions. And so this is really... This show is an examination of what happens when the extremity of the situation forces you to have to make equal measure decisions. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? You know, it, there is, there is an acceptance that she is a child on paper because that's how old she is, but she's not a child. No child in this world is a child. Just nobody is. So she does get to have agency. She does get to think about what it is that she wants to do is she going to make the best decision possible? No, but I don't know anybody in that world who is going to make the best decision. I think you do whatever it is you think is you can go to sleep at night having done. I think that's probably the best that you can get to it, right? And I think, you know, I looked at both Marlene and Joel, and I'm like, you're both right and wrong, and the basis of your being wrong is... 
that you you never put it to Ellie, right? I believe that there's an Ellie who would have heard that she could die, but she would be humanity's best chance, right? And I think she might have accepted that call had it been presented to her in that way, right? If Joel had come to her and said, I now understand that the Fireflies want to do something that's going to kill you. Do you want me to get you out of here? She might have turned to him and also said, yeah, get me out of here. I didn't know that when, when I signed up for this. And she would have followed him. Neither side chose to be honest with her. So we don't actually know what she would have done if she had been presented with the so, truth. So I have a couple of problems with all of the arguments that are made <laughs> because you brought up like that, that kind of like the sort of science angle of this. So both as a super duper science nerd and a super duper, the way these things are structured and written nerd, I always come down to, so for narrative purposes and dramatic purposes in a post-apocalyptic world, in a video game, all of those things, you have to make these choices for dramatic and narrative reasons. They have to be binary choices. Sure. And what you really encounter and like I what this brought me back to was like the, the actual pandemic is what you actually run into in reality, even in this post-apocalyptic world is that the binary choice that you are that everyone makes the argument about when it comes to these things actually ends up being like it is rarely a binary choice in reality that's why i was like well what the question for me always comes out of well, what would you do i was like i can't answer what would i do because in reality as much as i know about like and I look, I'm not a doc doctor or a scientist. I'm just a huge science nerd. But as much as I know about these things and as much as like the pandemic has kind of taught us is that there are, it is rarely, if ever, one person who is immune, one person who is the solution to all of humanity. Like if this world was actually a real world, it is highly unlikely, just based on like evolution, even if it's fungus and stuff like that, that there would be one person. I mean, it's it's possible, but improbable. Let's put it that way. That there would be one person who's the cure for everyone. And even if there is one person who's the cure for everyone, it is highly unlikely that whatever you're doing with her there is no guarantee that that would be 100% effective. Sure. And given the post-apocalyptic world, it's actually highly unlikely that whatever you're going to do with her is going to be effective at all. So you're, you are very, very, very highly probably killing her for no reason. That there were stuff online from doctors who love the game and who love the TV show saying, hey, you don't have to 
there are other ways before that you could just do like a um, injection in a, a spine or somewhere else to extract. There are other ways. Yeah, there are other ways of like going at this instead of just going That's immediately towards about, killing was, the kid. Yeah, well, I was you watching know. the final episode. I'm like, there has to be another but, way but, around but, that. But but that's what I mean. It's like for dramatic and narrative purposes, for the purposes of the show, you have to have. It has yeah. to be a binary. Well, yes. honestly, like that, it didn't seem crazy to me that they would want to go for broke and get like everything that they could from Ellie. That's right? also also like, like the false binary. Also, the other thing that I wanted to say is in that post-apocalyptic like situation, people are much much more prone to savior messiah type complexes, which means that you are much more likely that if there's a possibility for a cure, however practically whether it's realistic or not, like what you were saying, like the Firefly is just like, they need to make up for some fuck-ups. It's just like, in that kind of situation, as we've seen, like, that's why I was like, emotionally, I was just like, pandemic, it's like, this show like, brings up so many things. It's just like, it's just like, you see people, it's just like, if there is the one person that it's a possibility, you make them a messiah. Even if they're not, practically, like if they become that because that's, you well, invest your belief in them. Well, like also, it's, it's I mean, a thing. even just think about what the Fireflies are. Yeah. Like, their whole mission is to basically, you know, try to free people living in what they see as these, like, restrictive QZ situations. You know what I mean? <coughs> so I think that they've already sort of positioned themselves as people who are trying to save people for the so-called greater good. Is it? Sometimes they're yes, sometimes so no. much more now, listen, prone to messianic, messianic. No, I mean, like look at like look at the Boston right now for some well, like look at the Boston QZ. Obviously, there's shit that's going on there. It's not an ideal place in a lot of ways, you know. But these people still have some sort of roofs over their heads. Usually get food. Like it's not great, but they know that there are some people who are sort of generally kind of. <laughs> looking out for their quarantine zone. They're not a Kansas City, okay? They're yeah, not, yeah. They're not... It's never implied that, like, the things that... The terrible things happening in KC are happening in Boston. You know? It's certainly not perfect, but, you know, these are people who are still living in some sort of a place with some sort of oversight. You could argue that's a whole separate argument, but, like, that's not how the Fireflies look at it. The Fireflies look at it as they're trying to, like free these people or make life better for these people but like there's nothing really showing that they're like completely one, in prison one, you know one, what I mean? one person's freedom predator fighter is another person's terrorist like it's you know I mean so they, they're they already kind of looking at themselves in that certain regard you know so when they're talking about they think that they have a, a way to propagate a cure of course they're gonna like buy into that because sure. they've been kind of built on selling this whole idea of themselves and what they are for 20 years at this point. There's also a lot of either rampant infection or indiscriminate murder. So if there is another Ellie who's immune, you might have just killed that person. Yeah. Well, see, through through just regular means of doing business. Well, see, and also here's the thing. So, like, in the show, I mean, look, in the game... Ellie's immunity is never 
explained or even theorized. She just is. And it's never really... There's never any sort of idea given as to what it might even might be, let alone what it is. And truth be told, I mean, the TV show still doesn't technically answer the question, but they obviously very heavily imply that yeah. it's because, you know, Anna got bitten before she cut the umbilical cord while she was delivering, you know. Now, here's the problem. Anna lies. Anna yeah. lies to save Ellie and to protect her and, and tells Marlene that, you know, she bit the that she cut the cord before she was bit. But, you know, whether Marlene thinks it's a lie or just assumes it's the truth, either way, Anna lies. So even if Marlene, you know, knew, she may or may not have known or may or may not have suspected or whatever, but even if she did know, even if she knew without a shadow of a doubt, even if she was there and witnessed it happen, how do you, how do you, like, you know... Yeah, I how, mean, how do you like reinvent that? I, I always like. I mean, do you just like? There's no, like. I mean, you want to talk about like an ethical slippery slope? I mean, do you just like allow pregnant women to get bitten, get infected, deliver their babies, and and then like you know form like this weird little immune army? Like, I mean, my big thing that I always come down to whenever I watch these shows is number one, I'm always like. They always it always comes out through a binary choice, and I'm always like, you have to have some sort of a suspension of yeah. I'm always like, it's never a binary choice, and I was like, I I know that in you know we all fantasize of like that thing of like how you would survive this thing, and it's like if you ask me like oh if you were Joel what would you do is I was like I I would probably be killed. <laughs> by somebody because my automatic reaction would be like I have some questions <laughs> <laughs> about what you're doing and my leader would be like fuck you and your questions I don't mean I don't mean to be contrary but 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 I'm well educated and I, I have some questions about what you're doing <laughs> like like I'm not saying that what you're doing is wrong. I just have some questions. And I was just like, yep, you're going to get a bullet to the head. Um, in terms of, like, ethics, I mean, there's no question. I mean, how? what kind of world sacrifices that's children? My, that's my ethics. You know, I mean, like, I, have some questions. I may have my issues with my own kids, you know, at work, but I want them protected. And, yeah, I mean, they're trying to save the world, but they're desperate for a win, the fireflies. Oh, they're I agree. They're desperate for legitimacy. And the fact that they're going to go the route of sacrificing a child, you know, not just, I mean, they could wait. I mean, I mean listen, like, even if she you, wasn't a there's child. There's no rush for that. Um, if, but <laughs> if it's an adult, at least the adult can understand, make an actual decision and say, hey, I consent to doing this. Because nowadays, yes, well, this is not the world of the last of us. We don't do this to our children. We allow adults to go through medical trials. We don't but have why? that done to children. Well, listen, so I we wouldn't... don't do that. We should not be, uh, in this world, should not be uh, freely sacrificing kids. Yes, I know it's for the betterment for the man for mankind but there has to be a draw there has to draw a line but why wouldn't there be a rush to try to find some kind of solution there's nothing wrong with finding a solution but you're sacrificing a child any solution that involves sacrificing a child is the wrong solution i mean listen I, truth I be would... told any solution that involves killing the only immune person that you have found in 20 years is not really a solution. I don't care if that's a child this, or this an is, adult. That, that was my saying. But, but that's like... the whole point because, again, you know, 
like obviously we've been sitting here debating this for how long now but in terms of what the story is it literally does not matter one fucking iota it yeah. doesn't actually matter if there's a cure or not it doesn't actually matter what the immunity is based on because no matter how you cut and slice it the game is not actually about Cordyceps. It's not about yeah. the, uh, a cure any, or a lack any, of a any cure. Zombie, it's not, any it, good zombie story is not about what caused the zombie apocalypse. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. the, what caused people I mean, to turn the, into the zombies. Sto- the story is the story really relies on and lays on the people and their actions and their choices and the fact that no matter how you slice it, Somebody is right in some sense and somebody is wrong in some sense. Everything is morally gray. There is no black and white. Nobody is perfectly right or wrong or innocent or guilty. Nobody is. You know what I mean? Joel did terrible things in the name of love. But the point is he did it in the name of love because he loves that fucking girl. And he did it because he, for himself could not lose another daughter type figure. You know what I mean? He did terrible things for love, but also for selfishness. And you Mm -hmm. cannot deny that. That is just a fact. You know what I mean? And homeboy would do it again 10,000 times over. And, you know, and I think that anybody, look, I don't have kids, but I think that... Every parent I know who watched it Show or... a, well, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was just talking to his beer bottle, not his microphone. So. Every parent who's either played the game or lately who just watched the show, all unanimously agreed, or who fostered children, they will. Oh, listen, kill even for you know, child. my I mean, brother. It's no contest. One of my brother. I have four brothers. Four listeners out there. Um, who are much older than I am. And one of my brothers has been watching the show and he has never played the games. He is not a gamer. It's well beyond his generation. Um, not that that really matters nowadays, but, you know, he, he's not like a 60-something-year-old guy who video games. He's just not. Um, but he was curious about the show and he actually wanted to watch it because he was a huge Game of Thrones fan. And he liked Bella and Pedro from Game of Thrones. That's actually what got him interested in the show, was that they were both cast in it. And he was like, ooh, interesting. He loves the show. He and I have been texting, like, every week about the show. He's, like, super into it. You know, he has kids. Funny enough, they're not biologically his kids. He has two stepsons who he raised from the time they were very young. He considers them his sons. You know, whatever. So, as the perspective of somebody who is a parent, but also not a biological parent, it kind of even makes it more interesting, you know, but even after the last episode, he had, you know, texted me after he watched it, and, like, we were talking a little bit, and he asked me a couple of questions about, like, stuff from the game versus the show, and, you know, and then he made a point to tell me that he's like, you know, I do have to say, if it were me, I don't know that I would do anything different than Joel. I think I would do the same thing, and I think that that is... A common sentiment from a lot of parents. I think a lot of them feel that way, you know, and I, and I get that. I totally get that. But we also have to remember that Joel's actions were for her, but also very much for himself and very much for his own. Yeah, it's very much. I mean, what I come down to when I, when I, when I say it, it's just like putting aside like I said, whenever I watch stuff like this, I'm never, I never do that. Like, I mean, 
one of the things I do when I watch like fantasy or apocalypse is like, is w- the way weirdly my brain works is like, how can I kill whatever is the thing? Uh, but in this situation, I'm never like, what would you do if you were in Joel's position? I was just like, um, I'm, I'm not in Joel's I separate myself from that, from that. And then what I say is, is like, it's, it's a narrative. It's what I say is it's a narrative. It's a false binary. I'm not going to answer that question. What I will tell you is, is like, I'm fascinated as to character wise, what the characters are doing, because it's like, I understand from a character's perspective, if like, I'm going from like I take it out of reality. I just go. Hey, I'm not gonna say what if I was Joel. I just go. Joel made this decision from a narrative perspective, from a character perspective. I'm fast. I I understand in this world why he would make that decision, who he is as a character, and I just separate myself from it. I just I I almost never do the. What would you if you were this? person i was like nah, i'm not well, that person what's great about games is that you are the character yeah, 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 so yeah, you are joel and yeah. after the first segment of the game having sarah die in my hands there's no fucking way i'm gonna do that again <laughs> <laughs> you know there's no fucking way i was crying at the end no they, there's no fucking way they're making this child die in my hands and i was powerless to do that Next time, I'm fucking killing everyone. And I enjoyed killing all the fireflies in that last segment. Good for them. You know, I will say it's kind of interesting that you say it that way. That, like, you know, as the player, you are the one who's taking those shots, you know. In the first game, like, I definitely had no problem going through the hospital and killing all the fireflies and killing the doctor and stuff like that. I was like, anything to get to my girl, you know what I mean? But, and again, without spoiling stuff when it came to playing the second game there were a lot of things that happened in the second game where as the player i was just kind of like how do i opt out i don't want to do this <laughs> you know what i mean uh and, it, and it's interesting just the perspective i mean you know the second game definitely had very much perpetuates on the cycle of violence and revenge and how it's like a it's like a fucking merry-go-round, and sometimes you know you need to get off the ride. That's fascinating. And, you, to me. and as, 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 as a player, player, as a player as of the, the play, game, and the you thing is, you don't have as, as, a player, as me as a watcher of the show, you don't have the well, option of going. I don't because, have to do that. Well, yeah, and especially yeah. because the games are fashioned in such a way where the storytelling is very linear. You know, you can't opt then, out. No, 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 you can't. I mean, fact of the matter is, you know, you play, That's you terrible. play, you play. I'm never going to play this game. Well, think ever. about it. You play a lot of other games, right? And you'll see there's a lot of games where even maybe it's open world and you could kind of like explore the story as you want. You could talk to whatever NPCs you want, mm-hmm. take whatever side quest you want. You could, I mean, you could spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months of your life just exploring some of these games on your terms, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or I have. You have, it was or, called Shemu Two, the Dreamcast like, import version. Games, you know, like <laughs> ESO. I mean, that game, you know, has been out for a thousand years, and they're still constantly developing it, constantly mm-hmm. adding content to it. You could make or not make that game, that kind of like, yeah, yeah, like you could make or not make that game experience, whatever you feel like making it, you know. Or you could have certain games where maybe you only have a limited amount of options within the story and those choices might have consequences, you know, not even necessarily bad consequences, but maybe if you choose one path instead of another, 
you know, you get locked out of certain things. Like if, like if you play Fallout 4 and you have like certain choices of which factions you could choose, for example, to like go end game with, you know what I mean? Like if you choose one faction, certain other factions are going to be mad at you. But if you choose a different faction, the other factions are kind of mad you didn't pick them, but like they're okay with you or whatever, you know, this is not, this is not that. Like, Neil Druckmann is going to tell you the story he's going to tell you. Whether you want it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you want to receive it or not, he's telling you that his story on his terms and every choice and every action that you do in those games is because that is what they want you to do for their story. So even if there's points, and like I said, you discover this more in part two, there are definitely points where there were, there were things I just didn't want to do. There were there were characters I didn't want to kill there were characters I didn't want to fight with there were stories I didn't want to see play out because and not because and and not because you kept on telling me give it a chance give it a chance because I hated characters and you say you know what you'll turn around towards the end and fucking you were right I'm always right first of all (laughs) first of all you guys have known me for 20 years and you should know by now that I'm always right and I love when I love when it just proves itself this is actually like as rare as you are on this podcast, yes, it is. I can confirm that that pants is, in fact, always right. See, 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 listeners. See, Jamie, Jamie knows. Jamie doesn't know much, but he knows that. Uh, <laughs> you know, but then he knows the important stuff. He knows the important so, stuff. So, yes. so, so, just, just. But I mean, if you haven't been following it, the original uh, title of this podcast before it was a Never Pro Cool podcast was the Jamie is always wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, so. Except, he's always wrong, except for when he talks about how Pants is always right. Then yeah, he's, then yeah, he's yeah, right. Yeah, then yeah, he's yeah. But that is, yeah. that, that is the only exception. But no, but I mean, listen, is it infuriating in some ways? Maybe. But I think that that's one thing that I really respect a lot about Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog in general is that they don't give a fuck. They're telling you the story they want to tell you, and they have their reasons, you know what I mean? And the storytelling really is on a different level, you know? I think that also helps with the ad- adapting it to a TV show that's like... Yes. You don't have but an... You don't have an... Uh, I mean... it's You know, it's funny, because even recently, you know, a lot of people have been saying, like, you know, especially now as we talk about developing for season two and season three, and, ha- and obviously that's going to cover, like, the second game and stuff... Like, he's just like, yeah, he's like, I make no apologies. I ain't changing shit. And I'm like, that's my dude, you know, because like, I think that that's important to a certain level. You know, I mean, I know that I've complained about this probably the one of the only other times I was ever on your podcast. Like a lot of the, you know, especially Neil Druckmann does not deal in fan service. Sure. And, And I respect it a lot about him because so many times... I mean, it's and it's not that you want to alienate your fan base, but I think that he feels so strongly about the stories that he's telling that he accepts the fact that there is a risk that he's going to do that, and he, you know, and he comes to terms with that. And I think that that is really important because a lot of times you see, sometimes with different, whether it be a TV show or a video game or a, so whatever it is, you know, you'll see. A lot of times, I mean, look, f- 
the, the fans obviously are everything. The fans are who you're creating for, but you're also creating for yourself. Sure. And if you're doing too much fan service or getting too engaged with like your, with your respective fandoms, that really can come back to bite you because then, you know, fans will feel like sometimes like you owe them something or you'll put out a certain idea and you'll give people a certain impression of something. And then when you pull the, the rug out from under them, they're mad. And then you can't figure out why they're mad. Well, because you were sitting there engaging with them in a certain regard. You were sitting there like, you know, like all the fan service was cute and fun when it was working in your favor. But then when you decided you wanted to kind of stray off course, you don't understand why the fans are mad. Well, this, this is a big thing. With and the thing is, like, Neil Druckmann's not promising you anything. He's only promising you that he's going to give you the content that he's going to give you. And you can receive it however you I, I want. Think, I think know? a big problem with, like, TV shows and why I think another advantage that this has being ad- adapted into a TV show is you definitely have a creator who uh, is just like, this is the story I'm going to tell. Uh, and there, there, I, uh, the example... However, you, this is an obscure reference, but whatever. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski is this creator. He created a sci-fi show called Babylon 5. Oh, wow. And, yeah. It was Taking it back. Babylon 5. Yeah, yeah, And And he, he – one of the amazing things about that show, however you, you might feel about that show, is he went, I have five seasons, basically. He goes, this is the story I'm going to tell. It's going to end in the fifth season. And it's like going in very early on. He was just like, we are not deviating. Like, not necessarily we are not deviating, but just like, I know where this story ends. Mm-hmm. I'm Which going is quite to- different than many other uh, yeah, yeah. showrunners. I am going to tell this story. It is most likely going to be five seasons. If it's a huge... And that show wasn't necessarily a huge success, but it was like, if it's a huge success, if it's not a huge success... If it is a huge, if it is a huge success, it's like doesn't matter. It's gonna be high five seasons. And what oddly as brilliant as J. Michael Straczynski was, he just he figured out it's like ninety percent of shows five seasons. Yes, is yes. they max out. Yeah, with few exceptions, Game of Thrones being the very glaring exception. But it's like so many shows. It's like four or five seasons. Like tell your story. Once it's at five seasons, I mean, I you're gonna you hit. So, you're gonna hit a point where you're gonna. I mean, max I can tell out. you so many shows that once they got past that point, they started to nose dive. Shameless, please. Yeah. You know yeah. my feelings yeah. on that. Lost. Shameless, sh- literally shameless for the first four seasons. Progressively got better and better and better, yeah. and then all of a sudden in season five, they started to kind of show the chinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was just a fucking because, mess. And they still dragged on for another five because, or six because, seasons because, because narrative wise, about four or five seasons. There's only no matter how original it's why like everyone always comments about the about British television they they do two or three seasons often just two seasons because it's just like a lot of that because of structure all some of that has to do with the BBC and how they just structured their television in general but it's just like you have a story to tell here's the time you have to tell your story once you've told your story you're done Get We're off not, the it air. doesn't it yes. doesn't it doesn't matter how successful your show is and and like I, look the biggest example of that is like british office versus american office british office was on for two seasons american office was on forever yeah someone argue for way too long and what i i i would say probably was on for way too long but it's just like 
like I said, four or five seasons. Every, every single, almost every single show you could, almost every single show you could point out is like, by season five, it's starting yeah. to get well, a little you know, thin. I, I mean, you know, it's funny. Also, back in the day, I used to be obsessed with Sons of Anarchy. That was a phenomenal show. But one, it, same thing. They kind of like, around season five or season six, it kind of started to get like really kind of like, bad like to the point where i was like do i actually want to watch the show anymore and i was a huge fan of the show but i was like but because i was a huge fan of the show i was like i'm, I'm just gonna tough it out hope it gets better and then finally i think season seven was like the last of the season and they they did manage to sign kind of like course correct and get back on track and they finished strong which i was relieved about because i did love that show but again like I mean, it got it got really fucking bad there for a they're, while. They're, sorry they're, sons of anarchy there are two not. shows like I mean, what I think of when I think of like understanding like your arc is done and also like the kind of like as far as like sci-fi or a post-apocalyptic or whatever is just like how do you frame certain issues in the – through the scope of your show. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite shows that ever did that was Battlestar Galactica. It was like season three. They did like terrorism. And one of the things they did like abortion rights. And it was like what do you do with abortion in a world in which there are only a couple thousand human beings left mm-hmm. in the universe? Yeah. And it's just like they they – I mean sort of spoilers. They basically came down to like – we would love to give you a choice. We understand that you don't want to bring a kid, but there are so few of us left that it's like, if you're pregnant, we'll take care of your baby just because we just need more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what they came down to. It wasn't It wasn't even like a question of like, in a, it wasn't even like, it, through the, f- the scope of the show, they weren't even making like a value judgment like outside of the show. It was, they were making a very, sp- I appreciate it because it's, they were making a very specific in the universe of this show. This is how we're treating this yeah. issue. And I was just like, we're not making a commentary of whether it's right or not. We are very specifically going in the universe of this show. This is how we're treating this. Uh, and yeah, a similar thing. Yeah. Battlestar. And what was, there was another show. It was just like four seasons. It was just like, and we're out. Oh, uh, Westworld. Oh, they yeah. apparently got canceled. But if you watch that final like fourth season, you're like, you watch the end of that season, you're just like, I don't know what they thought they were gonna do for fifth season. I mean, unless maybe <laughs> they kind of ended it in a way that could have taken been an ending because they, they weren't they sure didn't. if they were gonna get renewed. They oh, well, I don't know. maybe, I didn't watch it. but but like the impression I I got from like watching it online, like seeing the commentary online, is they were surprised. That they got canceled, and it's like you watch that the end of that fourth season, it's just like, I don't know what they thought they were gonna do for it. I would have been interested, it would have been yeah. fascinating, but the way they ended season four, it's just like, nah. I mean, I think in general, that's another HBO show. Is like, yeah. it was just too expensive. They, couldn't, yeah, the ratings couldn't justify what they I were. think in general with a lot of these shows, like they're. I mean, look, and I get it. It's still a business. They're trying to make money too, and I understand that. But I think that. A lot of people definitely seem to get to a point where they care more about the money they're going to make off it than sure. the quality of the product that they're putting out. And one thing that I really appreciate with The Last of Us is they made it very clear early on that they're not going to Game of Thrones this. They're not going to 
reach and then potentially supersede the limits of where the games have already gone. Yeah. So if they don't get to the point where they make a third game before the TV show catches up, they're not going to well, make TV past what currently exists in canon in the <clears throat> games. And that's what I was going to get at because I read something two nights ago. Um, the way uh, the second part ends, the game, the second game ends. Mm -hmm. Is it a definitive ending, do you think? With a story. Here's the thing. It can be. It can be an ending, but there are still definitely some things that you can explore after that with those characters that are the leads of the second game mm -hmm. or also with some other characters that are involved in the second game. There are places for the story to go. I'm very curious. Uh, I'm curious and nervous. I, like From what you're saying, I don't think they're going to do this. But just like the, you know, having not played the second game, but knowing, without spoiling anything for people, knowing certain people who are absent from the second game. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. although, although now that I've said that, it's very obvious <laughs> you could, uh, is, is how much they might drag out the next season. Well, here, uh, well, here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. So they have already confirmed that they're going to split the events of the second game into more than one season. They didn't specify how many, but they did say more than one season. They could easily cover two seasons with the sure. with the events of yeah. the second game. Possibly there's even, way more because there's possibly, towards the end. Possibly even a third season, yeah. but it depends because also it depends on how they pace things because. Yeah. You could argue that they could have made more than one season out of the first game, but they paced things at a quicker pace specifically to keep it so that all of the events of game one would be encompassed in one season of television, you know? And look, some people thought that the pacing of the episodes was really good. Some people thought that it was, you know, too fast and that they should have drawn it out more, either had longer episodes or more episodes or whatever. Most people seemed okay with the first game being encompassed in the first season of the show but i definitely did hear a lot of commentary about the pacing in general oh you know i mean i've seen a lot of stuff from people online and stuff wishing that it could have been more but again also bearing in mind that if you actually cut out most of the actual gameplay and just focus on the story from the first game it really does kind of like level out in a lot yeah. of ways. You know, I think people who have played the game also just, you know, don't always take that into account. But the actual story for the second game, I think, is a lot more in depth. And you also have, like I said, perspectives of new characters that we've yet to meet who are important to the second game that were not in the first game. Um, and being able to build out some sort of backstory and background perspective for them, I think will obviously be important. Um, but I think in answer to your question, Rich, based on what you said about Druckmann, about how he has a story to tell, I don't think they'll deviate. 
I don't think they're no, going to No, they're drag. not going to deviate. That's, that's the thing. They I, made it very clear. <clears throat> they're going to go straight. They, they have made it explicitly clear that they are not going to do what Game of Thrones did. They are not going to catch up to the original source material and then go fresh forward from anything mm-hmm. that does not exist in canon. I've read, in I've read, and I don't know how definitive this is, but I think one idea that Druckmann was floating around was <clears throat> to create a part three that integrates with the show. Well, here's the thing. There's been talk about a part three on and off for some time now. And as it stands, Neil Druckmann wrote, wrote basically, I don't know if he wrote like a full, like a full script, but he wrote like a story for part three. I don't know how fully flushed out he did it. I don't know if it's in development because they do have, they do have at least one or two things currently in development. They haven't confirmed if it's a part three or not. And I don't think they're going to confirm that, but hypothetically speaking, a lot of people think that they might be working on some sort of like original, original IP. Again, this is not confirmed. It's just speculation. But he, he actually did confirm sometime at some point in the past that, that he had written he had written a storyline out for, for what part three would or could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time when he had wrote it, I, I, I'm pretty sure they were not they were definitely not in production of it. I don't know what they're working on now, but I know that they've confirmed they are working on at least one or two open projects. And also given given the amount of time it takes to make a video game, they have some lag time. <laughs> well, well, now, so now here's the thing. Now, bear this in mind, okay? So, the original game came out in 2013. The second game came out in 2020. It was originally supposed to come out, like, right before or, like, right at the very beginning of, like, COVID. But then, because of everything that was going on, they did push it back to, like, a few months. But even then, they didn't push it back. I think they pushed it back to, what was it, like, May of 2020, maybe? Eve? Something like that. Um, they pushed it back a few months, but like all things considered, not a crazy delay. And games get delayed all the time, so that's not that obscene. But it still came out in 2020, right? So that's like a seven-year split. So even if hypothetically they were able to keep to that same type of model for a, a part three, then maybe they could potentially come out in 2027, which seems very far off. But 2027, it's first, not. Yeah. First yeah. of all, it's only four years away. Yeah. Second of all, with the way that the the TV scheduling works, and with the way that HBO is, I mean, sometimes to, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But HBO is not going to rush a production schedule. They're going to produce that shit on their own time when they do it. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't even started filming the second season yet. They they said they. they I don't think they even knew they were going to get a second season. They got renewed. They got renewed like. Yeah, but it was like. They got renewed literally like, like the second episode. They got renewed very quickly. Yeah. But even still. They said that they might start filming later this year. But, you know, if you're filming a season of TV, even if they start filming later this year, they're still going to be filming for the end of 23 and I'd say at least half of 24. Yeah. And then, and then they got to go post-production. Then they yeah. got to go post-production. So then you're talking about that game, the season two might come out maybe what, early 20, maybe optimistically late 24. Yeah, more like 20, early twenty-five. Early twenty-five. Yeah, that's right? what I was thinking too. That long? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would assume if they're not even going to start filming it until later this year, and that's just maybe. That's not confirmed. 
that's true. You know what I mean? Like they have, they obviously have cast from season one, but there's still people for the second game that we have, like, again, that we have not met yet that will have to be cast, you know? And there's been some speculation about some of that casting, but again, nothing remotely definitive, you know? Um, and the thing is, even with season two, because season two and, you know, because season two and, and at least season three will cover game two, they could possibly film for some of it at the same time. Maybe they won't, but like, still you're talking about probably not getting season two until I'd say like optimistically early 2025. That's not to say that they couldn't have a third game out before, like, you know, they could film season two and film season three and have all that out and then even have a third game come out before we even get to the point where there would be any sort of I mean the way that, I mean the way that, that that ends up working out, it's it's funny. Um just as like a, a weird parallel, like Scott Pilgrim, the movie Scott Pilgrim. They started shooting it uh while the series was still going on. Mm -hmm. So they shot two separate endings to Scott Pilgrim, the movie, because... They didn't uh, know how they were going to end the series. Because the series, he hadn't ended it yet. And they shot the two versions based on the two ideas in the in Brian O'Malley's head being like, these are the two ways that this could possibly end. I'm going to continue... And so they shot both of those endings. The ending that came out in the movie is how, also how the series, the comic series ended. Mm -hmm. But like they were in like post production when he ended the series. So it was just like, yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things. Where it, was like, it just so happened that like, I was like, and also it was one of those things that I, from what I understand, it was just like them adapting it into the film version was kind of like, pushed him in and nudged Brian O'Malley in a certain direction. It's like, okay, I think I'm going to end the series, the comic series this way. Mm -hmm. And that's how they ended the movie. Um, sidebar, there's a bunch of stuff. You want to talk about like movies that like, when you watch them now, there's a bunch of stuff that like, especially the main character is like, oh man, the main character is super problematic. Uh, in the movie, and then you read the comic book, and it's like, oh, they address a lot of stuff in the comic book that they don't address in the movie about how much of an asshole he is. Hmm. Um, sidebar. But to the, your point of just like, of like coordinating like the production of the video game, it was just like, yeah, was, by the time the third game comes out, they might be able to like concurrently shoot the second or like write the second and the third in season. Being like, oh, okay, the game has come out. We can work ahead. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't even know that the third game is actually currently in production. But I just, I don't think it's impossible to think that they could get the third game, you know, done and produced and stuff like that in order to be caught up with whenever the timeline for the show actually catches up to that point. Sure. Especially because now there's even more incentive. If, they, if they're going to go forward with a third game, there is even more incentive to do it because the games are still very popular. They're still, you know, some of the biggest IP that they've produced. Mm. On top of that, now you've got the show, and the show is wildly popular. Sure. With consistently growing ratings and stuff like that. 
I mean, it literally got renewed for a second season by like the second episode. That's, I mean, it's kind of amazing how it's like, one of like the highest rated like premieres that, that HBO has ever had. And the fact that it, the viewership went up every episode, every episode is even kind of the amazing. episode that went head to head against the Oscars, they still yeah. gained viewers. I mean, yep. it was probably still less than it would have been without <laughs> the, the same Oscars. People but... would have watched the Oscars, but they tuned into yeah, right. Last of Us. That's a, like my joke I when like I when I texted everybody. It was just like I I know there's no way to know this. There is. There's no way to know this. How many people switched over? How many switched over and did not switch back? Yeah, yeah I, I would be amazed to know what that was. You know, but. So, I mean, I mean, you know, look, Naughty Dog, I mean, Naughty Dog is a Sony, a Sony production house. Obviously, Sony's got the backing to be able to, you know, give them the funding. And especially with the success of the show and the continued success of the franchise and stuff. Like, in terms of funding, I don't think they'd have any trouble with that, you know? At this point, and, I, and, I, I, I would imagine that Sony is just like, well, here, inter- have some money. Interest- well, also, interestingly enough, I mean, you've been he- I mean, there you've been hearing a lot about, like, layoffs in other, you know, gaming companies and stuff. I mean, even recently with some of the layoffs that have been going on with just companies in general. Like, mm-hmm. I know Bethesda laid some people off. I know... Really? They did. Wow. Not production. It was it more was- like... Microsoft itself. No, Microsoft Bethesda, a... no, Bethesda laid people off as well. Yes, they did. Not production people, but a lot of like... Yeah, but like that's as a result of people. Microsoft, the parent company, trying to cut some jobs because of their flaw. They're, they have issues with their uh, with hiring a lot of people during the pandemic, and they had to cut well, some Well, yeah, but, it, but I'm saying, but it wasn't just Beth- Bethesda. There were other game houses also that... 343 needed to go. I'm sorry. There were also some, but I'm just saying, there were some other game houses and stuff like that that have been doing layoffs of, across the board and shit, you know, just part of what's going on currently, but Naughty Dog's been, like, actively hiring, from what I've heard. You know, I mean, even like I saw something on LinkedIn where Naughty Dog was kind of like, hey, like, we're really sorry to hear about all the layoffs that are going on, but like, we're hiring if you want to send us your resumes. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, what, but you know, but it's just kind of goes to show, like, you know, that I mean, they're doing the thing, you know what I mean? But the thing is, unlike a lot of game companies who like, outsource a lot of the work they get in contractors i know that was a big thing with 343 because of the talent they they were they 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 did not have enough people in-house to do the work so they had to get a lot of people sony a lot of the sony division mike uh naughty dog they kept it small they did they worked within their means they did not get too big too fast they used whatever staff and whatever tech that they already had and they made the best of it which is what's telling about how great of a company they are you know and i think that like i just like i said i mean i think the fact that they you know have like an exclusivity relationship with sony and you know sony obviously is very supportive of them and their endeavors and stuff i think that it speaks to you know very promising potential for like whatever a third game could potentially bring which i mean last of us Last of Us surprised me. I mean, I was a huge, I am still a huge Uncharted fan, and I did not see Uncharted, uh, Last of Us coming. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that they used their technology for Uncharted and created an entirely new world out of that, amazing. I like for them to do something different. You know, don't retread the same waters. I mean, listen, no, I would love to see what what else they're capable of, but I do still think that 
even though you could kind of leave things where they were by the end of the second game, I think that there's still some loose ends I would really like to see tied up in the third game. And that's a conversation you and I can have when I drive you home so that we don't spoil it for everybody else. <laughs> sure, but, sure, sure. So, so, so what I would say is what are people's like sort of final thoughts on the show? Cause I'm, I'm just general speaking. I'm just like, I'm so happy that we finally got a live action, like video game. That was our, our, good. Our, <laughs> our, 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 arcane is exception is we can't count arcane cause it's animated. So like, like if we're going general video game adaptations, that doesn't count because arcane is about some Dodo was okay. Like animated, you you could get away with so much more. But live action is like this is definitely yeah, it, is the best that it's that I've seen so far. Uh, and I'm super excited about a second season. And like, so much of this like this show has been like deeply beautiful and deeply moving and all that stuff. So it's like yeah, I'm super excited for like a second season um i don't know i'm excited i mean i'm glad that this worked out um i'm glad that the story that has been brought out to the general public um yeah that it was weird um and I more people um are like invested in it. the same way i love the fact that Pan the conversation I had with me and Pants about this game, I'm having with people at work who give zero fucks about gaming. You know, it's like, I can't believe they... The one flaw, and I understood this because it's HBO, and they wouldn't throw so much money at a first season. The lack of action. That's where a lot of people who aren't aware of the game or like, this, you know... It's there's not enough zombies, you know. That's, the acting was, was great, uh, you know, point. but where's the action? Where's I mean, it's the zombie apocalypse. There aren't any. Uh, inf there wasn't enough infected. Yeah, there was a a brief, you know, a few moments in the uh, Kansas City quarantine with the bloaters, but we didn't see more of that. And Beyond I would that, hope, no. I would hope we would get more of the infected raise the stakes especially towards there's an interesting boss battle in the second game that is so unique and i really hope that they they pull that off oh, oh, oh boohoo they did the same thing that they do with a lot of the they do with the star wars shows which is like we can serve the budget budget for like a few segments that we need to use cgi for boohoo but I mean, it's like with, because it's like the first season. I knew HBO was not going to throw. It. I mean, it was expensive, but I think they held back. You know, they weren't going to throw so much money yeah. at but the if, zombies. But if they were going to help hold back, they did it in a way that um, didn't deter from the quality of the overall show. If that was a separate separate episode. But but like Mando, I'm just gonna yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm all cut up. Yeah. I didn't watch this week's episode yet, so let's save the Mando conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to save the Mando conversation because it is, uh, even I will talk about, about this off well, mic I, a little bit. I read somewhere that ratings are down for Mandalorian. 
I heard, I heard that the I ratings for that. this week were down. I didn't hear about ratings no, this th- season. I think down. this season it's down compared to previous seasons. Mm. And I mean, granted, the first episode was not mm. the best. Yeah. It was like retreading. But yeah. the last two, especially the last yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hmm. But well, the last two episodes, so I'm like, they're opening things up. And yeah. I'm curious to see where they're going to go with yeah, episode four. I'm very curious. As well, um, but yeah, like Last of Us, I again, I was v- incredibly impressed with what they accomplished. Um, I hope they keep it up. I like that the showrunners are take they take risks. They yes, they're faithful in general to the source material. But they deviate and they tell interesting side stories. And um, when they deviate, they have they have usually have good reason to because they've they figure that what worked in the game doesn't necessarily translate to uh, live action. Um, But also, it's just like if you have a story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. That you so want I, to I just hope that they continue to do that in the second season and 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 keep evolving the story um, and give give the viewer much to think about and talk about because um, they do make some hard decisions and you know they're not easy decisions you know that's that's the that what that that's what comes with living in in a post post apocalyptic world is that you're going to be confronted with difficult decisions so i hope it comes i i hope to be able to see that soon uh and and just before pants because i'm gonna let you close this out just just some, some saddy some saddy commentary don't, don't be talking about my in, my new internet boyfriend what are you talking about <laughs> listen listen even if even if i was not vibing with pedro pascal i don't even have any choice that man has infiltrated my entire internet experience he he is all over my facebook my tiktok my instagram like i can't even escape but i'm okay with it i am not mad at it you know i am not mad at it like I barely knew he existed before, and now I'm just like, where have you been, Papi Pascal? Where have you been? <laughs> you know. But on a, on a more serious note, I w- was very happy with the first season of the show. I didn't expect not to be, though. To be fair, you know, I, I mean, I really do love the games, and even for the difficult stories ahead, I always put a lot of faith in what Neil and Naughty Dog have been doing with this franchise and the story that they're telling. And I always expected that to translate into the show once I found out they were even doing a show. Um, You know, so that's been... It's just been really, you know, cool to see something that I'm such a huge fan of come to life in a different way and to see all these people who didn't play the games who are now getting to appreciate and become fans in a whole new way um you know i think overall most of you know obviously the show was very true to the source material and i think that the ways in which they deviated worked well for the story 
there were funny enough a few things that I felt like I had a little bit of trouble connecting with in the show. Some things that I think people would probably find kind of surprising. Um, you know, I know I had told Eve this, but one scene that I actually didn't really connect with, and I wish I had, was the scene with Joel and Tommy when, yes. when Joel's like fixing his shoes and they're that. having that heart to heart conversation. You know, I think that, I mean, I think that Pedro acted that scene beautifully. I thought his acting was really beautiful. And the fact that it was so easy for him to draw that emotion. And then even finding out that like behind the scenes, there were parts when like he was like off screen for Tommy scenes and he was still staying in that emotional state for Tommy to be able to kind of vibe off him. You know, I thought that was really beautiful, but I think that I just, there was just a disconnect for me with that because by that point in the game, Joel was still very stoic and, you know, was still very much guarded and was not, like, you could tell he obviously cared about Ellie and there was a shift and whatever, but he wasn't, he was, like, actively not as connected to her at that point. And seeing Pedro, you know, tap into, like, that different side of it, um, it was just, it was just different. And, like, I, and I thought he was really good, but I guess because I'm so used to the source material, I did have a little bit of trouble sort of totally vibing with that but it's like it's not even a complaint it's just like a comment it's it's weird because you were talking about that uh i can't think of offhand like adaptations of like comic books but but i do appreciate that kind of like that thing where you watch something and you're just like i feel like i should feel more yeah that is kind of how i felt and like i was kind of mad that i am and that's the thing like i was kind of mad but not at pedro and yeah, not yeah. at the acting and yeah, not yeah, at the yeah, show yeah, yeah, i was exactly. almost like mad at myself that sure. i couldn't vibe with it the way yeah. i would want to you yeah, know what yeah. i mean like i think that was for me a rare miss or a rare instance where where being such a fan of the game almost just for that one instance really was almost like a disservice because I did have such a strong impression of like Joel's character from the game that I couldn't really connect to that. You know, it's, it's weird. I almost, I, I have this weird thing when I watch, if not adaptation, just, just random stuff where I'm just like, I actually have a, a weird, like almost opposite reaction. It's just like, I don't understand why I'm having this reaction to mm-hmm. this. It's it's not like a not it's I I I nine times out of ten I'm almost like I was just like why am I this is not that dramatic a scene or like this is not that vital of like adaptation why am I having this reaction this mm-hmm. emotional reaction to this and I was just like I couldn't tell you but but I just I think it's fascinating just like that kind of like whenever you watch something that ad- ad- adapted that yeah. like a video game or a comic book it's just like it's just like, oh, this is the. I found myself like having like emotional reactions to adaptations and stuff, which is like the rest of it is terrible. But there's this. I actually have the. Even I might have had this conversation. It's just like in generally overall like terrible adaptations of things. I often find myself as like, oh, this is the one little pocket of 
it that you got right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have the opposite. I often have the opposite. It's like, the rest of this is terrible. <laughs> you got this one, you got this one, well, see, one minute part, right? Well, see, and, the, and the, see, and the thing is like, I wouldn't even say that. I think that they got that wrong. I don't yeah, think yeah, they got exactly, that wrong. Yeah. I think that, like I said, I think that my inability to connect with it was just based on, I guess, a certain connection to the source material that sure. just made it a little hard to kind of like override. And, you know, and, it's a, and you don't know that until you're watching it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I will say that, you know, there were other points in the game where there were things that they kind of changed a little bit. Not like major things like Kansas City versus Pittsburgh sure, sure. or Bill and Frank's story, but like smaller changes that I definitely noticed, but I didn't necessarily feel as impacted by. Like one thing I thought was interesting and this isn't something you would know, you would even know probably if you hadn't played the games, but early on in the first, like, maybe two episodes, they tweaked Joel and Tessa's characterizations, like, just a little bit, but it made for an interesting shift dynamic. Sure. So, you know, it's obviously not stated, but it's very heavily implied in the show that Joel and Tess have a relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that that's true in the games as well. In the games, it's definitely implied that there's something there, but it doesn't even seem like the characters kind of have, like, a name for whatever their relationship is. Um, you know, in the game, when when Tess is dying and she kind of gives that impassioned speech about like taking Ellie and taking her and saving her and whatever. Um, it was a little bit different in the game, but still the same kind of essence, you know, but there's a part where she basically says like, you know, if you feel anything for me at all, like you have to like do this for me, blah, blah, blah. And that's like the closest you get to any sort of implication, you know, Joel and Tess, I mean, well, Pedro and Anna Torv off camera, had a conversation amongst themselves and basically was like, oh yeah, no, we together. Like, and we're going to, sure, tr- sure. we're going to treat this like we're together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, which is why, even though it was still understated, it was a little bit more overt, like the way that when she got home from the federal jail, the federal hold, and she got, went into the apartment, she like went and she like spooned with him and stuff. And Pedro was little spoon cute, <laughs> um, but whatevs, but that's not even what I was talking about, but evil know this a little more. Cause he played the games. In the show, they very much make her seem sort of like the rational voice of reason one and him seem like the hothead. It's the opposite in the game. He's, which makes a lot more sense if you really kind of like watch the rest of the show, like his behavior is a lot more calculated and thought out and stuff like that. And that's how he is in the game, you know? And she's the one who's a hothead. So like when you meet her in the game, she basically comes back to the apartment all knocked up because she got into a fight and wound up killing a couple of these guy Robert's guys or whatever. But, you know, he's kind of like, like, where the hell have you been, like, popping off and stuff like that, you know? In the game, in the show, like, she she did get into a fight with these guys, but, like, she was jumped, and then, like, that whole scene was a bit different in the way it played out, whatever. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought it was interesting. Like, just that it's, it's just one of those. It's one of those things that's just, like, I think that comes down to is, like, what happens with like when you cast the actors? Yeah, you just end up with like the same ones. Like, or even like you know the fa- or even the fact that like the whole idea of Joel having PTSD that's not even touched on sure. in the games at all. Sure, you know, I mean, listen, it would be shocking if the man didn't have PTSD watching PTSD watching his young daughter get murdered in sure. front of him. Obviously, at the beginning of like a fucking apocalypse, I would assume that would fuck most people up mentally. Sure, you know, but him having PTSD 
even though you can maybe surmise it just from common sense, it's never implied in the games. He doesn't have any sort of, there's no like PTSD moment where like the guard shines a light in his face and he just goes into attack mode like he does with that one Fedra guard. Sure. There's no, there's no moment like where he's like, you know, having a panic attack. That's not a thing that happens. In the he's game. definitely more human. In yeah. He, they humanize him a lot more, but the thing is like, that stuff didn't bother me. I, I just found it interesting that they shifted his characterization in those ways. But the thing is, I, th- I mean, and this is, I mean, with Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin and stuff, it's absolutely intentional. Like, they were trying to humanize him more because I think that it's easy to start to build that connection with Joel when you play for him with him as 20, 30 hours of gameplay in a video game and you get connected to him just because you're, like, in, literally in his shoes. You know what I mean? But I think they wanted to make sure that they made him a little more human for the show. One, so that you could connect with him, but also so that by the time you got to episode 10, 9, episode 9, and he slaughtered everybody in sight, I think it would make it that much more shocking. Because at that point, like, you know, because I know that that was one thing that people that I think diehard fans were not, like, concerned about, but I think starting to get, like, a little nervous about, they very much downplayed his violent nature on the show. Like, it's implied, and you see little bits of the fact that, you know, like, you know, obviously he talks about having done things to survive, and it's very clear, like, even, like, you know, that that conversation Ellie and Maria have, where Maria's trying to, like, warn Ellie about him, and she's like, yeah, bro, like, I know he's killed people, whatevs, you know what I mean? Like... But it's very much glossed over or brushed over. You see glimpses of it, but it always seems very much like he's been violent because it's a violent world and you have sure. to survive somehow. Like, but the actual propensity for how violent Joel is capable of being is very much downplayed, and I absolutely think that's intentional because by the time you get to the last episode and he basically turns into a killmonger, I think they want to surprise you. And I think yeah. they want to make that that much more graphic and intense. I mean, it comes back to that point that we were making about, like, Neil Druckmann, like, even as, like, the game, co-creator, just kind of, like, when you see, when you're doing the show and you see the actors and all of a sudden you see something in the production, it's a credit to, I think it's a credit to him as a creator and also as, like, kind of, like, an ego death thing to be, like, have that, that moment of, like, like, oh, there's something interesting. Let's play this out. You've sitting here sending me Pedro Pascal fucking <laughs> hip-hop pictures while we're doing this podcast like a distraction, and it's working. That man is so cute. I can't help it. Pedro, if you're listening, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm age-appropriate. I'm 40. I, I highly doubt he's, he's listening. But, but, Girl but. dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hope. If you're listening, yay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I think it's a credit to just kind of, like, when it, all of the things, like, the, the deviations or, like, the small things or, like, the humanizing the character is just, like, I, I can think of, like, other shows, however good or bad they are, but, like, American Gods, there was a character in American Gods who, like, they cast Pablo Schreiber as one of the characters. Oh, I love him. And he's a super... The character they cast him in the show is super minor in the book. Mm -hmm. But they cast him in the show, and I don't think... They didn't have, like, a post-show thing like they do on Last of Us. But they just went, oh, man, he's just so good. 
Paul Blatt. Unfor- Paul- unfortunately, he's the main guy on in Halo. Uh, unfortunately. Oh, the unfortunately. He plays the Leprechaun. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Lee Schreiber's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. It's like I, I watched that show and I was like, this is such a minor character in the book. I love that character. But, uh, but, but, but that's the thing. It's like he, he's a super minor character in the book, but then you see him on the show and you're just like, we got it, we got it, we got to put him more in here mm-hmm. because he's just, he's just too appealing as this character. Uh, we got to develop it more. And I think that's a similar thing of like just seeing it. It's just like, oh, they made uh, when the two actors started interacting with each other. It's just, Charlie's just out. She's um, also mumbling to herself at this point. <laughs> but that's fine. They, no, don't, don't do that. We don't want that on mic. Uh, but yeah, I just, like I said, I think it's just a credit to just the creators of just like kind of like. Oh, we discovered a good thing. Let's run with the good thing. Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, this is an this is an interesting thing that wasn't in the game. Let's do the interesting thing. I mean, I will also say this with the success and the acclaim of just this first season. I think that they really have set the bar for a lot of what these people need to be paying attention to if they're going to keep trying to do these sure. video game yeah, adaptations. Yeah, yeah. You know, even um, the people who are working on the current, like, the God of War adaptation, I think even, like, one of them had come out recently and said something like, man, we got some big shoes to fill. You know. I mean, listen, I haven't played... It's Ra- Amazon. It's Amazon. I know. I also... I mean, look, I haven't played Ragnarok yet anyway, so I don't know how that all turns out. Don't spoil me. But I like the, I like the God of War game I did I play. I will, I will say... I mean, say... listen, I like the God of War game that I played. I, I'm not, I don't fully know how I see this being a TV show from what I did watch, but, you know. Here, here's the thing knows? as far as, like, God of War is I think it helped... One of the things that'll help as far as, like, God of War in the same way The Last of Us... Uh, and look, Amazon, who knows what they're going to do with it. But it's just, like, when you actually have... It's not super open world... Yeah, there is actually well, a narrative being told. Like, I mean, I think that's one that'll thing help. That <laughs> Unlike think, like World of Warcraft, where it's just like there isn't a narrative well, that you're I see, telling. I think that you have to invent a. Narr- it's why I say there's a new Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out. It's gonna suck because you can't you can't adapt Tell, a no. game like that is literally the, the whole premise of it is that the players invent their own story yeah. and characters. Like you can't condense that to a movie narrative it's gonna suck no well i mean I, I will i will say one thing you know that i think sony really does well is they the all their exclusive content i mean it's all really story driven and they tell yeah. great fucking stories i mean the last of us god of war uncharted horizon you know they tell really good stories they have really good people you know playing the parts in these games and stuff and bringing these I've characters heard to life i've heard great thing about horizon dawn i i've i've only watched other people play it you know um i'm a huge fan of god of war i played god of war 2 on playstation 2 and I'm just okay like, yeah see i didn't play the i didn't play the original ones i only played the more the more recent god of war game um and i do have ragnarok and i started it but i haven't gotten very far with it yet 
um, because I keep playing The Last of Us 4,000 times. I can't help myself. But, it's fair. Um, you know, but I think that that's something that, I mean, in general, I think that Sony really works with game houses and with people who are really focused on very strong storytelling in their games. And I think that they have done it very well. And I think that they've been really successful in a way that a lot of these other games have, you know, struggled. I mean, not to say that there aren't other games out there doing good storytelling, (laughs) but you know, I mean, even just for like the purposes of like a TV adaptation, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say one way or another, like how I assume like God of War will turn out because also I'm not as familiar with the franchise. Like I didn't play the original God of War games back in the day. Sure. That was like before I was really into gaming and I haven't even played Ragnarok yet. No so I mean, if you, based on what you like about these current games, that's not what the original trilogy was all about. Yeah. It's very much, Broy, very light on story and dialogue, and mm-hmm. more on action. I, mean, I don't listen, think you like if, that incarnation listen, of Kratos. And if the TV show is going to focus more on like the modern God of War, then I think that there's story-wise. I mean, just from what I have seen, I definitely think there's potential. I, I'm just not as familiar with the games to be. There's able to there's really poten- see what there, I there, think. there's potential with the original games too. I think, I think what they have, the opportunity whether they do it or not to do is there there are certain adaptation so the only uh, weird parallel thing that none of you have watched but uh it is an adaptation of a manga it's called vinland saga that's actually like a sort of as far as god of war first season is all like viking vikings killing each other like huge like action show in the first season. So there's a lot of people who are like commentating. It was just like, if you love the first season, we don't know if you're going to love the second season. Cause the second season is basically what are all the consequences to the main character of all the shit that he did in the first season of like, and not the only, he, there's another character from the first season. It was just like, this is like, yeah, we're basically the entire undertone of this show is how violence perpetuates itself and ruins everyone that it like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's what i was saying is that, but but it's very much as like if you if you love the first season you love the action sequences and how cool all the fight sequences were and how off you were like oh it was awesome and then you watch the second season it was just like why is the main character a broken man and why do I have to have feelings? I was like, yeah, because... Because we do love those broken men, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's basically, basically, you go from this is like... This, like... from In anime turns, like, this awesome shonen character, like, young man who's, like, murdering, like, a v- whole vengeance quest. And then the entire second, sequ- second season is basically about how, like, if all you seek out is vengeance, you're going to end up an empty person. <laughs> like... it's just like it's like what it's like by comparison it's like i was like yeah you could i could imagine if you're doing god of war correctly you could kind of do that arc of like here's the the first season of like awesome action for that first whole season and then the second season is just like the later games of just like yeah i don't think they're gonna yeah, we'll see. Which is 
that they do that. Might be the right choice. Might be the right choice. Uh, so yeah, that is, I'm going to just cause I kind of want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that I just think that the last of us really has set the bar for so high video adaptation, video game adaptations. I also think it'll be interesting, you know, cause we've touched on God of War multiple times, but you know, they're also making a fallout game, a fallout show right now. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Oh uh, God. I don't remember. Hold on. Let me see if I could look it up. Sure. You know, and I mean, look, as somebody who has been a fan of the Fallout games, um, I think that, you know, it's interesting because I think that the Fallout universe could have a lot of potential for a lot of interesting stories. There's a lot of lore. I mean, 25 years of lore and history behind their games or whatever, but... um, Live action you know, Bethesda, adaptation? Beth- Is it live action it's, adaptation? Yeah. Mm. But Bethesda, now here's the thing. Bethesda. Oh, it's another Amazon show. All right, so I don't know. Mm. But I will say, I will say this. Um, oh, Amazon's been doing. There's an uneven, uneven wreck well, track. So, so, he, so here, here's the thing. Fallout has a lot of resource to tap into when it comes to like lore and history. Um, the, they, but the problem is Bethesda also retcons their own lore when they, when it, when they, they feel it suits them, which doesn't help. Um, they've also had some great games, but some pretty big missteps. Um, that's a whole other pod- podcast I could whine on, so let's not do that. But <laughs> I want to be hopeful only because like there's like a couple of actors attached to it that I'm excited for. Like Walton Goggins is going to be on the show <laughs> and I fucking love him. Who's involved with, who are the showrunners? Do, do they have uh, hold on. Cause that's the, that's the thing that'll make or break the show, you know, hold on. writers, showrunners. Let me get my phone back out. He always looks like he's just been electrocuted. Yeah, I know, but he's such a good actor. He's so, he's has, another one. Has of those, anybody like, here besides me watch the shield? Yeah. Yeah. One of the best television shows of all time, sure. by the way. Sure, He is fucking genius on that show. He plays a guy named Shane who's a crooked cop. I fucking loathe him. It's... Shane is a piece of shit and he gets what he deserves. But let me tell you something. Walton acted him. <laughs> they're, they're, Chef's they're, kiss. They're, they're, I mean, we mentioned, you know, wrestling power, Lance Reddick, but there are just certain people who are just like character You can't acti- keep mentioning him. Sad right now. I, I understand, uh, but but you brought up all the uh, goggles. So the but... Fallout show is going to be on Amazon. It's being developed by somebody named Lisa Joy. I don't know who that is, and Jonathan Nolan. Ah, Westworld people. Yeah. The Westworld people. Okay, so maybe oh. that's so two people behind then. Westworld. Okay, okay, okay. That, yeah. Do, those oh, are the, and those Kyle are the... McLaughlin's going to be on the show too, and he's <laughs> a really good actor. So some some Aww, Twin Peaks himself. I know. So some hope, but I'm just Lisa. Okay, okay. okay. Um, Lisa, I would say Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Those those are the West the the West World people. I was like, okay, that, yeah. Christopher Nolan's brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So that could be. It could be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um. Yeah. But I think are are we good? Are we good on? Last of Us. Oh, you're the boss. You tell us. No, no, no. Well, I do want to go to bed. So, <laughs> all right. Jamie wants to go to bed, so we get, we gotta be. Out. It's better. It's better. It's better than there have been occasionally podcasters like I gotta take a shit. We gotta go. <laughs> Poop is just a code word, guys. 